Hang on, Plus listeners. If you're a craft beer fan, have we got the app for you. Tavor, it's the app for fans of craft brews and trying new and exciting labels. It's so cool. Snag the app from your iOS or Android app store, browse the current list of hard-to-find 100% independent beers, and add them to your personalized crate or enroll in the subscription, and Tavor will handpick the highest-rated beers that suit your taste. There's no minimums or commitments, and if you're selecting the beers for yourself, you pay as you choose and then request delivery whenever you're ready. Again, there's no monthly limit or minimum that you need to hit, and a flat rate shipping doesn't change with the size of your crate. As many beers as you want, same price to ship. Tavor posts a 100% independent community, over 650 featured breweries from 47 states, and over 7,000 beers tasted. That's nuts. Yeah, you can download Tavor today and try it for yourself. Just use the code NONPLUS at checkout for $10 off your first order of $25 or more. Again, download Tavor, that's T-A-V-O-U-R, in your app store and use the code NONPLUS for $10 off your first order of $25 or more. I'll drink to that. And one for Mahler. His treatment of people who have less than him is projection as much then, as anything else. Yes. Then is the headmaster the actual villain in this story then? No. Because he's the one that taught him the business. <laughs> I suppose in fairness. <laughs> you make it sound like the, Sam the Eagle saw, taught Ebenezer how to pole dance. The business. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Nonplussed, a gay rom through the Disney Plus vault. That over there is my husband, Clancy. Over there is my husband, Josh. And this is Nonplussed, a mischief media podcast. And Merry Christmas if you celebrate. Have Merry Chrysler. Merry Christmas. It's our Christmas episode. It is here for you. And we're delighted to be here yeah um, we've got a guest we recorded with a month ago that we've got an episode with look we're trying to get ahead of things we were trying to get ahead and honestly we succeeded mostly mostly but we don't have to get into that no um but uh truly like this is a you, no no one thought we were gonna have a christmas like this i don't think no i don't think so uh, and uh, I, you know this time last year we were I, we were uh, hanging out in Houston and 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 getting yeah. a little tipsy with my sister. But look, um, it, it's fine. We yeah. are fine. Everything's fine. We hope that you're fine, and we hope that if nothing, if you are alone today, um, and maybe trying to find ways to celebrate by yourself, uh, put on Muppet Christmas Carol and enjoy this with us. Yeah, for sure. This was a uh, at no point in this movie did we feel like. Uh, uh, that we didn't like it. No, so, I mean, this is just, it's the it's whole conversation is a delight. It is enjoy. It's a solid movie. Make yourself a cup of hot cocoa, throw, get a peppermint, throw some marshmallows in there, gorge yourself on chocolate, watch the movie, listen to this. It'll be a delight. Um, but it, it is a chunky episode, so we're not going to do a whole lot of mu- news. We're going to get right down to it. First up, Mischief Media. Have you heard of it? I hope you have because you're listening to this. Yes, which is, yeah, that would be weird if you didn't know. I mean, not really. Well, I mean, hey, this could be your first episode. We're we're informing the people. We're 100%. informing the children. Yeah, we're giving yeah, yeah. cookies to the children today, and those cookies 
are in the form of Mischief Media Podcasts. Uh, it's yes. the network we're on. You can go to mischiefmedia.com to see the full, full slate of shows, but some quick updates here. Yep. Extraneous His Dark Materials, they're wrapping up. Yes, because the last episode is coming out soon. Yeah, it's, it's Monday, Monday 8. Yeah. We realized it's time locked when we tried to watch this. Yeah, week. yeah. It was like 8, 8 p.m.'s uh, central time yeah. for us. But uh, they're going through the whole season. They're yeah. about to wrap it up, and then they're going to get into their read-through of The Amber Spyglass, um, which I started re-listening to in preparation. What does that mean? That's the third book in the His Dark Materials series. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which presumably the third and maybe a fourth episode. <gasps> fourth season? We don't. They're, they're, yeah. If you listen to Melissa and Will, they want a fourth season. So do we. That's same, at extraneous same, same. his dark materials right now. There's also a new Potter cast, which is rare, oh. um, <laughs> which isn't a read. And they, dra- <laughs> they drag themselves. They drag themselves because yes, yes, they got yes, the Spotify yes. email about, you know, their most listened episodes. And it's like four for the year. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, but there's that. And then also special for the holidays. I think this might be news to you, Clancy. This is as I'm reading this. Yeah. So Mischief Media, in conjunction with Jensen Neal, an executive producer, host of the Hamilcast, and one-time non-plus guest Jillian Pensavale, we've all put to, we, uh, we didn't, you and I didn't have any part of this, but no. we, the Mischief Media, and Jillian and Jensen have put together Twas the Night, which is a radio play, and it's a contemporary take on the poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas. That is so awesome. Isn't that rad? It and is it's super, super cool. And it's got uh, a bevy of Broadway babies in it, like Chris Jackson from Hamilton and James Monroe Eigelhart, also from Hamilton, but also who played the genie in the original Broadway production of Aladdin on Broadway. They're in it. Uh, cool. And the best part is that the whole thing is being produced as a benefit for the Actors Fund. So like, nice. it's in the Hamilcast feed. You can go listen to it right now. And if the spirit moves you, spirit of giving this season, maybe you've got a little bit of extra cash, kick that money towards the Actors Fund and help out working theater professionals who are really struggling right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's still completely closed. Yeah. So uh. we're going to link the episode in the show notes and also the actress fund webpage so that you can go donate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you, uh, I mean, just real quick, this uh, is the only news I wanted to cover. Well, let, yeah, let's get into let's it. Let's do it. Uh, so coming to G- Disney plus in January. Yes. The big thing. Yeah. There, there's this, uh, uh, well, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's WandaVision. It's WandaVision, <laughs> and, it's and we're coming, very excited about WandaVision. Yes, it's coming January 15th. We will have more Marvel stuff at the end of the episode. We're going to talk a little bit more about what we're going to talk about for Marvel at the end of the episode. For sure. But in terms of movies, I pulled out some highlights. Yeah, Horton Hears a Who, Ferdinand, Mary Poppins Returns, and The Wolverine. Yes, and then for TV, okay, look, I'm really excited because Holy Dinosaurs shit, is coming. I did coming not realize this is to coming. To Disney Plus, yes, it's coming. I, I, I didn't check the date. We'll have the link in the show notes. But this is the, the Jim Henson sitcom that's where they're all dinosaurs. So that's coming. Star Wars Forces of Destiny is coming. That's a 2D animated series that was originally uh, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And just like the Mickey Mouse shorts, they're moving it onto the platform. That's awesome. Um, and then I didn't know about this. Pixar Popcorn. It's a series about Pixar shorts. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So like um, like a regular series of them. And that's all the details I could find. Nice. I didn't dive too deep. No worries. No. And uh, just as a reminder, all of our research comes from Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, and Wikipedia. So support those things, please. Yes. And uh, I think we should probably just get into this. We should absolutely get into it. So, Josh, in your own words, what movie are we doing this week? Well, Clancy, this week we are doing The Muppet Christmas Carol. And to celebrate the reason for the season, which is friendship and laughter and love and 
uh, strong emotions about things that may or may not actually matter, we're bringing in a friend to join us for our final podcast of the holiday season. Yes. Who are we bringing in, Clancy? Her name is Leah Cornish. Her name is Leah Cornish. That's your cue. Is that my cue? (laughs) Oh, that is my cue. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Thank you for coming, Leah. Thank you for having me. Of course, Leah is. This wasn't this wasn't coercion at all. Leah is our producer at Mischief Media. Yep, yep. But um, also you know, event producer extraordinaire and general uh, uh, fan culture maven. I'll take Maven. I think that's nice. Maven. Okay, good, good, good. Um, I don't know. How else would you would you bio yourself? A big, big nerd. Like, there's no other word for it, right? Like, right. I just love. I love to love things, you guys. I'm that. I'm that beautiful child at the end of Mean Girls. I just have a lot of feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and by the way, Merry Christmas, Leah. Merry Christmas, Josh and Clancy. Crimbas. God bless us, everyone. Everyone. But yeah, I mean, is there any other any other spieling you want to do before we really dive into the movie? Let's just dive in because, like, no joke, this is, and you know this, my favorite Christmas movie, <laughs> far and away, <laughs> quite literally. On the short list of people we know who could talk emphatically about a Muppet Christmas movie, I, I mean, the list is really just you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, honestly, this wasn't a it wasn't a hard sell. N- no, not at all. It was kind of, honestly, it was it was more an, an other direction. sell. you were pitching folks and then you were like, oh, if this person can't, then this person. I'm like, if my name's not on that list, I'm going to be very fucking upset. <laughs> <laughs> and just fuck it. Like, this is going to be fun. So, yeah, let's get in and ruin it. Let's, let's get in it. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told Leah's got a deep, uh, and I don't want to speak for you because you're here and you have a microphone, but there's a deep passion and love for this film. And uh, I think if our almost year long track record is uh, is of any indication, we have a bad, bad history of ruining things for people. Um, but, we, you know, we'll do our best to entertain, if nothing else. For that's sure. All, that's all I ask, fellas. <laughs> Thanks, boss. <laughs> <laughs> So this movie was released December 11th in 1992. Yes. Directed by Brian Henson, son of the late Jim Henson. Uh, uh, He passed away Henson in 1990. Yeah. Um, And so this was one of the first big projects out the door without him. I think this was the first theatrical without Jim Henson. Yeah. Yes. He's currently the chairman of the Jim Henson company and has been involved in Muppet productions since The Great Muppet Caper, which is one I'm sure we'll do later down the road. Yeah. Um, but we've already talked about Muppet Treasure Island, which he also directed. Yep. Um, so this was based on uh, a, a kind of a relatively unknown story at the time, mm. uh, A Christmas Carol by Char- Charles Dickens. Yes. Charles uh, J- Dickens? Charles Dickens. Not to be confused with Darrell's chickens. Ah, Darrell's chickens. My yeah. God. Um, what's really funny, and we can discuss this a little bit at the end as we're, you know, kind of uh, evangelizing this film in the Christmas canon. The uh, Christmas Carol, Darryl, uh, I almost called him Darrell's chickens again. <laughs> Charles Dickens was kind of zeitgeisty here because a lot of what we understand as Christmas traditions today were being reinforced in this story in a time in... English culture where they were revitalizing the concept of the holiday. So things like seasonal food and Christmas carols and the things that we consider as sort of like holiday milestones that stick out as noticeable in this story, even if it's not the Muppet story are because of, uh, I mean, almost a big cultural marketing push to 
celebrate these traditions again. It's interesting, which is even a deeper story when you when you scratch the surface of like what we understand as Americans, at least as Santa Claus and what he wears and tracing that back to a very specific Coca-Cola ad campaign. Yep. That that like his uh, traditional Santa Claus is Coca-Cola red. Like there's no question about it. But this is not that podcast. And I'm pretty sure those podcasts exist elsewhere. <laughs> I, I that's the, that's my soapbox. If anybody has Got thoughts, it. great. If not, by all means, let's move along. I thought it was all very interesting. And I appreciate you, Roman Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, you know, I went down a Wikipedia rabbit hole as as one is wont to do. Bless. Thanks. Um, screenplays by Jerry Jewell, who is the Muppet writer. As far back as Sesame Street in 1969, like he, he's the guy who has written screenplays for Muppet stuff. Um, and we've talked about him before again with Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah. Music was by uh, Miles Goodman. Uh, he was a prolific uh, film and TV composer until his passing in 1996. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of like, he has scored some of the 80s classics that you remember Teen Wolf, Little Shop of Horrors. La Bamba. So like Little Shop, anything that wasn't like original score was him. Uh, he did La Bamba, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which has a connection. Uh, Problem Child. What about Bob? Sister Act 2. And my favorite of this list, Dunstan Checks In. Yes. I can't believe I got to hear the word Dunstan Checks In today. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm all the better for it. <laughs> I mean. Well, for the cast, we start off with My Cocaine. Yes, not not your cocaine. My cocaine. My cocaine. Michael Caine is Scrooge. Uh, he's he's Michael Caine for fuck's sake. Like, I, do we re- do we need to break down too much? Like, he was in the original Italian Job, uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Noises Off. I love him in that. He's the um, stylist in Miss Congeniality. He was in Cars too. He was in Cars too. He was like the the Eng- he was like the James Bond car. Yeah, that's so fun. I'm taking a shot in the dark here because I've never seen any of the Cars films, which is probably going to have to change <laughs> on this show. Outside of that, we've just got a, a who's who of Jim Henson regulars. All of these uh, individuals have been doing things since Sesame Street. We've got Dave Goals as Gonzo, Bunsen, and Zoot. Uh, he's been voicing Gonzo since the 70s. He's Boober. Is that right? Is, I always thought it was Boomer. Is it Boober in Fraggle it's, Rock? It's Boober. It's Boober. Oh, my goodness. That's delightful. All right. Uh, also, Didymus in Labyrinth and uh, Earl Sinclair on the dinosaurs. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, and I just writing these notes, doing this research. I just as a 37 year old adult man got the joke about that dinosaur family being named Sinclair. Uh, same. Like that's <laughs> actually didn't know it until you started talking it. And I knew where the bit was going. So now I mean, we all are on the same page. <laughs> Because I grew up, I literally, until I was uh, in my mid twenties, lived in late twenties, lived in Texas and we didn't have Sinclair anywhere where I grew up. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't Damn. until I think on a drive to California and I was like, oh, oh, that's neat. And I just, again, right now as an adult, put two and two together, two and two, two. Wasn't together. there a Sinclair in like PV's big adventure though? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like that's where I like the first. That's time another that I, movie I haven't yeah. seen in 30 years, though. So Bless. anyway, um, Steve Whitmire uh, is Kermit Rizzo and Beaker. And this is he's been voicing Kermit since Jim Henson passed. Uh, and yeah, I think this was his first big outing as mm-hmm. Kermit um, after the passing. So this prob I mean, I haven't dug into it, but it probably meant a lot to him. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Jerry Nelson, who plays Tiny Tim and Jacob Marley. Mm-hmm. He's uh, a another longtime Henson performer uh, who recently passed in August of 2012. But he was on Sesame Street like his entire career. Frank Oz, who you may have heard before, <laughs> uh, plays Miss Piggy, Fozzie and Sam the Eagle. 
Yeah, he's been Fozzie and Miss Piggy since the 70s. Also has done a lot of Sesame Street and also is Yoda. Um, <laughs> that's right. But you may have seen him recently as the lawyer in Knives Out. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love when he does cameos like that. Yep. Because he's actually a really funny actor and really earnest. He plays a good straight man like that. I don't know. I, I just, I love Frank Oz. It's like when Dan <laughs> Castellaneta shows up in real life and you're like, oh my God, you're yeah. you. <laughs> it's you. It's, it's it, like uh, it's Parks and Rec where yes. he's um, Derry Merbles. Yeah. <laughs> and comes in with that voice. And it's just like, look, it's him. <laughs> uh, then we have David Rudman as the Swedish chef. He's also done a lot, a lot of Henson and Sesame street and he's cookie monster. Oh yeah. Like awesome. currently. And he's also kind of a silver Fox. Is he? Oh yeah. Speaking of, uh, we've also got Jessica Fox as the voice of Christmas past. And then uh, Don Austin is uh, some of the ghost puppeteers. Robert Tigner. He's a puppeteer. Then also Meredith Braun, Robin Weaver, and Raymond Colfard. Yeah. And then for some reason, Gonzo is credited separately as Charles Dickens. And Rizzo is credited as self. Yeah, even in <laughs> even in the credits. So yeah, like, Leah texted us the screenshot of the IMDB with them credited without, without a headshot. Somebody's falling <laughs> short I on was, keeping their social media and their SEO presence boosted. I just think that IMDB should be fair and list all of the Muppets properly because the beginning of this movie credits all of the Muppets as the Dickens characters. It's so weird that it doesn't do it properly. Precisely. So like, if you're going to tell me Gonzo is Charles Dickens and Rizzo the Rat is himself in the movie, I also would like to see the Kermit the Frog plays Bob Cratchit, et cetera. Yes. Like, put them Absolutely. all on there. Yeah. Cowards. Because it, it really Cowards. is that. <laughs> it really is that level of meta. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's the cast. Do we have any thoughts before we jump into the meat of this? Just that. It's great. I love Muppets. I love Muppet voice actors. I love I love that Michael Caine walks in this room and is like, what Muppets? I'm I am Scrooge for the ages and does not care. And I just appreciate that. That's like the best casting that could have ever have happened. It, and what's funny is like, I think this is true for all Muppet films where the ensemble, all of the extras, they really help sell the reality. I, I think 201 and Clancy, you mentioned this as it was starting about looking like Muppet Treasure Island. They do all of the world establishing. They're inviting you to suspend your disbelief out the gate, get it out of the way, see all of mm -hmm. these things interacting and talking to each other and, and getting along and get over the fact that, yes, some of these animals seem to be anthropomorphic and some don't, and some are selling other animals to other people and just get over that leap right here through <laughs> this first song and then buy what all of the humans are buying that all of these creatures are real and exist in reality in this world. Yeah. If they gave a prize for being mean, the winner would be him. Old Scrooge, he loves his money cause he thinks it gives him power. If he became a flavor, you can bet he would be sour. Ew. Even the vegetables don't like him. On Christmas Eve in 19th century London, Charles Dickens, played by Gonzo the Great, and his friend Rizzo act as narrators throughout the film, introducing the cold-hearted, bad-tempered Ebenezer Scrooge, who does not share the merriment of Christmas. Scrooge rejects his nephew Fred's invitation to Christmas dinner, dismisses two gentlemen collecting money for charity, and tosses a wreath at a carol-singing bean bunny. His employee, Bob Cratchit, requests to have Christmas Day off, to which he reluctantly agrees. So we start off this with 
kind of the same way that Muppet Treasure Island started, which was like miniatures. Yeah. Over time. Mm-hmm. And, and they really don't skimp on the details. They're truly committed to making this a reality as quickly as possible. Yep. Uh, that just happens to feature a species of people made of felt. <laughs> Leah, didn't you say something about the costume history here? Yeah, there's a really cool uh, Tumblr post that um, that I that my roommate sent me when we were watching the movie about how any you can only go so far with Muppets because they're small and and something similar to felt and all of that. But especially the human ensemble and Michael Caine and all of the actors who play different um, different ages of Scrooge and like that throughout, they go really hard to make sure that these costumes are pretty accurate to the time. And that includes when you go into Christmas past later in the film and like you are seeing a younger Scrooge, like his outfits are, you know, 20 years prior or the dress that Miss Piggy wears later in the movie as um, as Mrs. Cratchit, for instance, is a little out of fashion. It's probably 10 years out of date, but that's because they don't have as much money as other folks. So, like, mm-hmm. it's really great that of the little things to do in a movie like this, that, you know, the costume designer really kind of focused in on the little details and it helps. You're right. It helps sell the world around it. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. I didn't like, I didn't even pick up on that at all. Yeah. Because even when you like if you're going to be like hypercritical, right, you pause and you go frame by frame like this starts to look like the actual physical set starts to look like something you might see uh, in the parks. Yes. On a ride or something like super detailed, but clearly artificial. And it's all of the all of the details besides that. And I think a good deal of that, obviously, is because they have to construct these sets in a way that puppeteers can be beneath yeah. them. So there's you can't get a whole lot of like um what what's the, the like hyper realism hyperrealism and candy um, valley yeah 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 but it, i think it helps sell the marriage of the concept of these different intermingling species a little bit yeah I, and i say that with a clear and immediate memory of a scene from muppets take manhattan where rizzo is flirting with a woman and he asks her if she believes in interspecies relationships <laughs> and the human woman says well i've dated a few rats if that's what you mean is something wrong do you do you believe in Interspecies dating? Well, I've gone out with some rats before, if that's what you mean. (laughs) Um, Which is to say, uh, the writing in this is just as solid as any other Muppet film, especially where Rizzo is concerned. Yeah. I was just going to say, Greek chorus Rizzo is maybe the best thing ever because he provides all the levity that you can't have in A Christmas Carol because it is kind of a dour morality tale. So Rizzo is there to like make you laugh and make you see kind of some of the ridiculousness. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And in the fourth wall breaking is great. And really what's funny about it is, is that it, I think as a viewer and again, I don't know, I didn't, I don't think I, this is what I saw in theaters, but it's one that you don't get a whole lot. Like you're, you're very rarely spoken directly to where someone's staring down the barrel of the camera. Cats notwithstanding, but using cats as the example, that was horrifying. I felt like Judy Dench was trying to drink my soul. But here, because it's Gonzo staring down the barrel, I feel like I'm having a conversation with an old friend who wants to tell me a story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because, and I mentioned this a lot while we were watching it and noted it a few times, like they don't do a whole lot of, mm, the screenplay on this film is very much a Christmas carol. It's, um, at this point, it's uh, public domain. One of the things I noticed throughout the film is that like I've, I once played Ebenezer Scrooge in eighth grade and I did a production of this in college twice and I've seen a few and a lot of the story, well, obviously the story doesn't change, but the dialogue doesn't change either. The spoken words don't really change. Like it's very consistent. And there were points where even in this movie, I'm hearing Piggy say a line or one of the ghosts say a line. And I remember, I like Googled it. Yeah. Josh made me pause it a couple of times to be like this line. 
He said exactly what they said of the book. Yeah, which I think is common yeah. with musical adaptations of A Christmas Carol or adaptations of A Christmas Carol in general is they will steal direct, no, steal. They will use direct lines from the Dickens novel because same yeah. thing, I've been in a musical adaptation of A Christmas Carol and oh, a, a couple play? of, t- an original version, a couple of times and like same thing. Who'd you I, play? I, ensemble, come on now. Uh, oh. <laughs> and, but I know these lines, Scrooge's lines are iconic and they are all in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the um, you could be a bit of beef. There's more of, of There's gravy more- than the grave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of that classic shit. But yeah, so like, it, it, and the way the original was written actually was very like directly, almost casually, the language that Dickens used, it was very much like he was penning a letter for a friend because it's 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 a looser language than I think you expect to read then like i i mean because isn't um doyle isn't uh doyle a contemporary of dickens i mean this is 1830s what i'm saying is is that when you compare even the language in this the original language in this to dickens's other work or even uh, doyle's work with sherlock holmes which came just a little bit later um the language is a bit l- more looser than i think you would expect for writing at the time mm-hmm. also like i, ca- I kind of want to like jump sideways slightly to something you were talking about, about tying in the world and like how it's so close to Dickens because, because Gonzo is our narrator is Charles Dickens as Charles Dickens was in a Christmas Carol. Like when he would present these stories, he would present it as he was telling you a story. So he was in fact, the narrator to this, this, this tale he was telling you Um, there's, and I, I think it might be the first time I've ever actually clocked it, but Gonzo and Rizzo are almost consistently. And there's the obvious ones later in the movie, but like, especially in the beginning here, they are always outside a window. Like at the very beginning when Fred comes in and, or like before Fred comes in and you're meeting Cratchit and you're seeing the rats and Scrooge is throwing out the guy who wants his mortgage fixed. Yeah. You can see directly behind him and like barely, barely in shot because he's being blocked by either Michael Caine or another human actor. But you can see the blue of Gonzo. He's still watching the story that you're being told. And I noticed it the other night and I was like, holy crap, they're still there. Like it was, <laughs> I knew they were because they were, they hadn't come in yet, but like, that's effort that I feel like is put into this that did like they didn't have to go that hard and they did then they definitely did. You're right. Like he's Greek chorus. Rizzo's the audience. You're not Charles Dickens. You've you look at your nose, look at your fur. And and Gonzo <laughs> it, almost um overselling the bit is like, no, no, no. No, yeah, I'm I'm Charles Dickens. I, I know I, I'm here. I am I'm not omniscient. I know everything. <laughs> um and uh, he talks about knowing the story like the back of his hand. And then describes the back of his hand. Kind. Why should I believe you? Well, because I know the story of a Christmas carol like the back of my hand. Prove it. All right. Um, there's a little mole on my thumb and uh, a scar on my wrist from when I fell off no, my no, bicycle. No, 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 no. Don't tell us your hand. Tell us the story. Oh, oh, thank you. Yes. <clears throat> the Marleys were dead to begin with. Oh, well, Again, solid you? fucking joke rating in, in Muppet films. Yeah. I do like that when Scrooge came in, uh, when we first get him, like the lighting entirely changes. And yes. this kind of this actually kind of continues throughout the movie when he is the main focus of the scene. His lighting is always bluer or whatever until he starts to redeem himself yep. a little bit, which I will get to that again. Level <laughs> of detail. There's also another fun sideways Charles Dickens reference with please, sir. I want some cheese. It's it's kind of a an homage to Oliver Twist, which is another Dickens story that we've alluded to on this podcast before with Oliver and company. Are you talking about the no cheeses for these Mises? No, I'm specifically talking about the, uh, please, sorry, I want some cheese because it's, uh, I want them all. Um, but they do reprise the theme of cheese with Mises 
by saying no cheeses for these Mises. No cheeses for us Mises. But yeah, as he comes in and all of these rats are tear, I love I love the Greek chorus of rats and how yep. they're used in Muppet films. Yep. <laughs> because um, I feel like there's always a big group number while they're cleaning or mm-hmm. similar, um, as also happens in Muppets Take Manhattan. There's lots of um, organizational agility. Like they're always ready to like, <laughs> oh, is this the marching order? Great. We're in. Like, you know, they're they're begging for coal and then he's screaming about it and suddenly it's it's time for a luau. Yeah. Margarita's on at a midnight buffet, kind of a, a vibe. Fred is cute. Fre- I had that too. Fred is a cutie <laughs> and is too good to be putting up with this old asshole. He's better than me. I'd have given up on his ass a long time ago. Fred is too cute. <laughs> hey, me maybe contributed to to some of my gayness later in life, but like <laughs> I definitely was attracted to Fred. And I just love when cute people are kind hearted mm-hmm. and it just saddens me to see someone so good looking and letting his light shine throughout waste that energy on this old man who would just as soon shove his pennies up his butthole <laughs> as give them to anybody else. I love Fred. what what clock me. Tell me I'm wrong. No, no, Where are the it's lies? A, it's 100 percent right. <laughs> Where are the are 100% lies? 100 percent right. I also appreciate that Fred is brave enough to read his uncle constantly and in front of his face. In front of his employees. Like, can nonstop. you imagine? No, and actually, I would have killed Fred if I was his miser uncle, but I appreciate Fred <laughs> from this angle. And then the Order of the Victoria Charity Foundation enters the room. <laughs> yes. But, but Beaker and Bunsen, House of Order of Victoria, Shantae, you stay, come in very kindly asking for money. And at one point, Bunsen's got his, like, his fist on his chin, like, hey. How much can a pachan for? Like, he feels like he's got, like, he, he's he got the, the donation in. Like, yes. he's won at this point. And it's just like, how how much can we put you down for? Yeah, he's being so cute about it. He reminded me of you in this moment, actually. It's <laughs> just a little bit, like, trying to get, to, can I get a little bit extra whipped cream for my gluten-free flourless brownie, please? That's what I got from Bunch of Honeydew <laughs> in that moment. But I, I the, there's a line here that comes back to bite Scrooge later about... And as Scrooge is saying this and throwing those two out the door, I know Beaker does not have the full five, four fingers and a thumb of a human but he throws a finger up at one point and I'm convinced this is Beaker flipping Scrooge off. 100%. Yes. Like he throws a finger up, but because there's only four of them, it, it feels like it's a big uh, meet, meet, meet translation. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. Mm. Am I wrong? Is that a misread? No, I think you're hundred percent correct. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, good. So Bob and the rats have to convince Scrooge to let them take Christmas off uh, by saying essentially that it'll cost you more money to be open than to just let us go home and not pay us. They throw Cratchit under the bus when it's like, are you telling me a whole day is customary? Scrooge says, and the rats will go, no, no, it's the frog's idea. Like they get (laughs) (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Anything else on this bit before we move on? Uh, this begins, this does this last thing for me. This begins, uh, Rizzo and Gonzo's pension or Gonzo's at least pension. Charles Dickens's penchant 
to get into whatever ruckus is happening and drag Rizzo with him because he immediately is yes. like, let's go ice skating with the penguins. And he dumps Rizzo in like a barrel and like Rizzo's like, the fuck, man. And this begins the like in every sequence we're in is Gonzo is getting Rizzo injured in some way, shape or form. <laughs> I love that. And yeah, you're right. But by the end, he turns into a popsicle at one point. <laughs> um, all right. So. Scrooge leaves for home while the bookkeepers celebrate Christmas in his house. Scrooge encounters the shackled ghosts of his late business partners, Jacob and Robert Marley played by Statler and Waldorf who warn him to repent his wicked ways where he will be condemned to suffer in the afterlife. Like they were informing him that three spirits will visit him during the night. So I forgot that the, the doorknob changed or sorry, the no- door knocker changed to that face. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? And well, yeah, but then, yes, that's a staple of the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I just, I had completely forgotten that that happened. Uh, took me off guard. I love to credit this movie with the fact that every time I think about a Christmas Carol, that I have to pause and think, is it Jacob or Robert Marley? And then go, no, Jacob, because the joke is Bob Marley. Yes, I always have. I always have to think about it because of this movie. This is where I first realized, like the one for one between the original story and this script, because Gonzo has his line about them being dead. Uh, versus this actually lifted from the story. The mention of Marley's funeral brings me back to the point I started from. There is no doubt that Marley was dead. This must be directly understood or nothing wonderful can come of the story I am going to relate. And what Gonzo says is, Scrooge lived in chambers which had once belonged to his old business partners, Jacob and Robert Marley. Have some bread? Not while I'm working. Okay, suit yourself. The building was a dismal heap of brick on a dark street. Now, once again, I must ask you to remember that the Marleys were dead and decaying in their graves. Yuck! That one thing you must remember, or nothing that follows will seem wondrous. Um, why are you whispering? It's for dramatic emphasis. Oh. If they get, this is where it like gets super dark and super gothic, and Riz is like, should we, should we tell the kids? And Gons is like, nah, it's culture. He's in his house, like, checking all of the rooms, and uh, he starts beating his dress gown. My very best dressing gown. <laughs> and he just sits and eats lonely in front of the fireplace. And then like, yeah, okay. I mean, sure. This could make you cold and bitter, but you, you did this to yourself, fam. Like, why am I supposed to feel bad for you? And then that bell starts to ring. Oh, it's so good. It's so spooky. And I love it. And then Statler and Walder show up uh. translucent, <laughs> making, making their same bad jokes as always. And you're like, ah, yes, this is a Muppet film. <laughs> them making their bad jokes and then advising Scrooge to leave the comedy to the bears, <laughs> which is an allusion to them heckling Fozzie all the time. <laughs> I fucking love it. It's such a good bit. But Where this did- song, like I, I have to imagine this song on stage staged this way and how fucking terrifying that would be. Marley and Marley, avarice and greed. Took advantage of the poor, just ignored the needy. We specialized in causing pain, spreading fear and doubt. And if you could not pay the rent, we simply threw you out. <laughs> there was the year we evicted the entire orphanage. I remember the little tykes all standing in the snowbank with their little frostbitten teddy bears. <laughs> like it's, these guys get dragged away mm-hmm. at the end. 
Yeah. It's kind of horrifying. Yeah. So the song is like catchy and they're making, they're like doing the stand up in between. And like at one point, like the padlocks come up and they're singing too. Like it's ridiculous. But then the chains wrap around yeah. their necks as they wrap around Scrooge. And it looks like whatever wires the Muppets were on, like they keep falling backwards. And it really looks like Statler and Waldorf or Jacob and Robert Marley are being choked really hard because they can't stay straight. Yeah. And like that really does add yeah. to the like, oh, this isn't cute anymore it's kind of awful no if those were people this would be fucking horrifying yes there's i don't like scary movies but a part of me wants a really scary christmas carol i mean i feel like this is it i no no i mean like high gothic live action like seriously yeah i Mm. i'm sure i don't know if it exists because like i remember getting kind of freaked out by scrooge the bill murray one All right. At one o'clock, Scrooge is visited by the childlike ghost of Christmas past who takes him back in time to his childhood and early adult life with Dickens and Rizzo hitching a ride too, they visit the lonely school days of Scrooge and then his time as an employee under Fozzywig who owned a rubber chicken factory (laughs) at Fozzywig's Christmas party. Scrooge meets a young woman named Belle with whom he falls in love. However, the ghost shows Scrooge how Belle left him after he chose money over her. A tearful Scrooge dismisses the ghost as he returns to the present. I hate the way this ghost looks. Agreed. She is terrifying. It is just, it is weird. Yes. Also, did Gonzo just perform necromancy? He says, except the first ghost. And then that light shines up and suddenly the ghost is there. (laughs) Like in his capacity as narrator, did Gonzo just summon the dead? Potentially. Also, where did the grappling hook come from? Where does the grappling hook go? (laughs) Oh, Yeah. These are the important questions. <laughs> uh, no, I'm with you, Clancy, that I did not like porcelain dolls as a child, and she has porcelain doll face and hands, and I'm not here for it. Yeah, no, she's always uh. terrified me. And then when she's like, hold my hand, and he it's grips tiny. that tiny baby hand, Ugh. it reminds me of the uh, With My By Myself from SNL. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She says, you know, she's been around for nearly 1,900 years. My question is, was she peeping in on Jesus with that creepy baby porcelain face? Like, I think that's the implication. She's like, (laughs) I was around at the birth of Christ. And before it, like. And since the eons began in the depths (laughs) of time and space. (laughs) Grasp my hand and see multitudes. No. If they did a live action no. remake of this, she'd be played by Bjork. Bjork, I was I was waiting oh for it. Yeah, I was like, you that was Bjork as Christmas past. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm not so mad about it. No, no, not oh, at all. It should have been Bjork. Was she alive in ninety two? Yes. Yes. Was she making music in ninety two? I think yes. so. She could have been in that. Because it's so, so quiet. <laughs> was you you know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> she now that I think about it, you're absolutely they, the missed opportunity. My question is, they're dragging Gonzo and Rizzo through these trees and there's a chicken? How high up was that chicken roosting? I <laughs> apparently very, but that is one of my favorite lines is when they come back out of the tree line and he goes, Rizzo, this is Louise. <laughs> and Rizzo just goes, we've met. Like, and I just love that. I love Gonzo and the chickens, man. I don't get it, and I don't have to. 
Gonzo wants to fuck birds. Constantly. That's all there is to it. Anytime there's a bird involved, Gonzo's like, where can I stick my nose in it? Like that's <laughs> just, he's, no. he is, he is uh, quite literally soft core horny for birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I do have one question. Now they said that the ghost said that, that no one can see them. Yes. But yet they can see Gonzo and Rizzo because the cat definitely chases Rizzo around. They're outside well, see, the story. The, yeah. Oh. There's, there's levels here. Um, and I, I mean, we could, this, this is literally a graduate thesis on the sort of like metaphysical yes. use of cats, uh, transcending yeah. narrative levels and stories like that's, that's a trope. And I think, uh, you, you don't, you don't necessarily twig on it because as a culture, I think we're used to, oh, it's a cat. Of course. Of course it's doing that thing. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Um, is that is that looking too deep into a Muppet movie? <laughs> I mean, no, because I think that's fascinating and a really actually good point as to like the things that we like think that cats can see and all of that and the way that we use cats but also Rizzo and Gonzo or Rizzo and Charles Dickens whatever you want to say are not they don't interact with the story like the actual proper Scrooge's story until the finale so because of that like they are always like doing meta things or they're slightly outside the world and all of that other stuff omniscient yes because I mean they, they were selling apples at the beginning mm-hmm. so like they were yes. definitely a part of the town well they're a part of uh, a Dickensian in London. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And they give us a little economics lesson at the beginning. Rizzo <laughs> creating demand <laughs> by reducing <laughs> the supply. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they straight up light Rizzo on fire. Like that's a practical effect on Rizzo's tail. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez! Imagine being the stunt coordinator who has to light a Muppet on fire. They also imagine said, being that guy. Imagine the smell. <gasps> Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> they poly- they pipe smoke through his feet later too. There's a lot of practical effects on Rizzo. Uh, I just thought it was funny that they didn't take the opportunity for Sam Eagle to make a joke about this being British versus American. I mean, they like, kind of do. They did. Well, they, they he, literally say, he says this it's the American, American way, way, and then he goes, "No, we're in England, the British way." No, because and- Gonzo comes up and whispers in his ear and says, "No." We're in London. Yes. And I would expect Sam the Eagle being who Sam the Eagle is to have a bigger reaction to that is uh, my point. Oh, that's I was going to say I was going to bring that up because that's literally my favorite joke in the whole thing is when like he gets the, you know, the director's note changes it. And then Sam <laughs> through the next like five seconds keeps looking back at Gonzo to make sure he's business. doing it right. I'm looking forward to it, Headmaster. Mm, you will love business. It is the American way. Sam. Mm. It's just the, 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 Oh, it is the British way. Good. Yes, it master. Mm. Mm. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> like he keeps kind of checking with him. Gonza gives him a okay. thumbs up and he checks again and like doesn't say like nobody said there's a hole. There's a literal audio hole as Sam sits there unsure how to move forward now. <laughs> I just I I. Mm, that may okay. I I rescind my judgment. That actually makes me like that better because it shows a bit of vulnerability in Sam the Eagle that we've never seen before. Sam rarely takes direction. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about him in the canon of Muppets, he's usually the one trying to impose order of some degree. That's true. <laughs> Business. <laughs> you are all weirdos. <laughs> my favorite one. It's from Great Muppet Caper. Um. So we get to Fozzie party. Yeah. And young Ebenezer, young adult Ebenezer, he's a hottie, could also get it. Yes, he's 
again, we got height. It looks like a young Michael Caine. This actor looks like a young Michael Caine. Yes. Casting was done in, in, well. In the days this. before Marvel's odd de-aging, uh, almost uncanny valley stuff that we get. I mean, Woof. Joe Biden, Captain America looking shit, which is, again, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. But they did well with this casting. And suddenly I thought, well, maybe Scrooge isn't such a bad guy. He certainly looks solutionable. <laughs> For sure, and then and he meets he meets Belle at Fozziewig's party. But here's the thing: could you eat grapes that were singing at you? No, I'm asking both of you seriously. Okay, just making sure. I mean, they choose not to. 100 not. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, Swedish no. chef unveils his main course, which is a sentient pair of grapes. What happens if you just want one? What if it's the eyeball? Like I'm. <laughs> there's so many questions when it comes to Muppet food that you just can't ask. You or answer for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, sad romance is sad. And this is where we get like the the song that was removed. And Clancy pointed it out mm-hmm. as an extra. I've actually never seen the sequence because the versions of this that I've seen have, I, I think, only ever been like DVD or Blu-ray. I didn't watch oh. this one a lot as a kid. We didn't have this one in my oh. house. Oh, yeah. And this the song is when the love is gone. Mm-hmm. We had this one on VHS when I was a kid. So it was removed at the last minute for them, the theatrical version, because they were like, the head of Disney was like, kids aren't going to like this. And they cut it the last second. But on VHS, they had already had that film struck together. So when I grew up, I grew up with this scene oh. in there. So in subsequent years, when I've gotten a DVD version of this film and it's been missing, I'm like, where'd the, where'd the love song go? Where'd the sad song go? And it's just not there. <laughs> and then Rizzo's crying at nothing. And I'm like, why is Rizzo crying? Right. Because the song's missing. It's like, it's like a layer that's not there. And it bums me out. So we're not meant to. Love is gone. The love is gone. The sweetest dream that you have ever known. The love is gone. The love is gone. I wish you well, but I must leave you now. Sad romance is sad because Scrooge is too focused on money. Mm hmm. Yeah, and Belle knows what's up, like, the yeah. entire time. Like, she's constantly like, hey, pay attention to me. Yeah. Don't pay attention to this other shit. Well, yeah. it, it's, it's another one of those lessons. We, and we talked about it in Hamilton. It's like, we don't, need, we don't need money. We've got love. Just come home. That would be enough. And he's like, no, no, no. We need to be rich. I can't be poor again. And she's like, you love money too much, bitch. I'm mm. outie. Bye. <laughs> I like that Belle has the self-respect to just go. She knows better. I'm sure she married well and is happy with babies. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Animal Watch. Animal is in the the band in Fozzie's at Fuzzy uh, Wigs party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fozzie Wigs party playing the triangle and like just you can you can feel <laughs> the 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 strength. The acting is just the puppetry is just so well done. Yes. Like, uh. and then we get swung from period music into Dixieland jazz. <laughs> get Rolf on and the everybody piano. has a swing in time. Yeah. Yes. At two o'clock, Scrooge meets the gigantic merry ghost of Christmas present who shows him the joys and wonder of Christmas day. Scrooge and the ghost visit Fred's house where Scrooge is made fun of for his stinginess and general ill will toward all Scrooge and the spirit. Then visit Bob Cratchit's house, learning his family is content with their small dinner. The ghost of Christmas present abruptly ages, commenting that tiny Tim will likely not survive until the next Christmas. This is a big dude. This is a big dude. Mm -hmm. There's very Gandalf V Bilbo vibes happening here. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Or Frodo, if you will. But one thing that I noted, like, this is all great. I love this part of the story when 
goes to Christmas present shows up sort of out of nowhere. When we did it in college, this role was played by a black woman and it was delightful. She was stellar. And then at the very end for the ghost Christmas present leaves, like he, he's sort of warning Scrooge about like what could come in terms of yep. like uh poverty, like the, the, it's the kids, the, the yes. ghostly like poverty and whatever, whatever famine, I think. So we hid two children under her cloak on stage and it was a very creepy moment. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but to that end, when they get out in the street and everybody's singing that like Muppet children band that's their choir that's singing are fucking terrifying. <laughs> it's in the singing of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. If you thought Ghost of Christmas Past was horrific, well, that. here's a troop of a baker's dozen of porcelain faced choir children singing about your impending doom. My God. Jeez. I love them. I love them so much. It, it was it was like uh, some sort of nightmare Muppet baby scenario for me. <laughs> yeah. I had a visceral reaction. But then my very next note is, you know, Fred is truly nice and charitable because he's friends with some real monsters. Because two of the people at this party are uh, goblins of some description. I'm not being judgy. I, they're just no, they're, not, they're not clearly animals and they're not clearly humans. Yeah. But he doesn't care. He invites them into his home. And they want to play games or he's like, oh, let's play a game. And they ask. It's basically Fred, 20 questions without yeah. the time limit. Would the, this is where I have the note. Would that all old, rich old white men could be haunted with reminders of their awfulness and what people actually think of them? Because his wife really does drag Scrooge. She's yeah. like, oh, I know who it is. Giggle, giggle. Yeah. It's that asshole. Wait, then. Is it an unwanted creature? Often. A mouse. No. A rat. You called. A cockroach. No. Oh, reach. oh dear, it's too wonderful. Wait, wait, I know. An unwanted creature, but not a rattleech or a cockroach. Then what? Then what? What? It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. That's a killer. And then we, we shift to another Christmas present and it's Cratchit's house. Yeah. And Bob is walking up with Tiny Tim and singing their little song in harmony and it's super cute and precious. Yeah. And... We get introduced to Miss Piggy halfway through the movie. You're really mad about this, but who else would she have played? I, I know, but it's the same thing that happened to Muppet Treasure Island. Like That's, this isn't an indictment the of the Muppets, though. This is an indictment of the source material. Where are the women in Treasure Island? True. I will also give you Miss Piggy deserves an entrance. And the what and what you do is you bring your you bring your diva a star moment, and that's going to come like a half hour or so in. Yeah, this is one of three female characters in the whole movie uh, and uh, only one of the other ones is played by a human being and it's clear why she wouldn't be yeah um because she's the past love interest of scrooge and we wouldn't want to sideline miss piggy into just that she yeah. is in the rest of the movie from this point forward i just think that it's one of those things where there's uh, a lack of roles for her to fill mm-hmm. but i mean i will concede that uh piggy needs an entrance yeah and she gets a great entrance. I love that she takes a moment in the mirror. Like somebody, somebody comments something about her outfit or show. Oh, she's yes. like, oh, the, the goose, the goose smells great mother. And she goes, it does, doesn't it? It looks right in that mirror and poses. And I love it's picky. Who's that? Mrs. Cratchit. Of course. <laughs> Peter, do not stop turning that spit. 
That is the whole secret of a properly roasted goose. It smells so good, Mother. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, I do too. The The children are a little terrifying. Yeah, because all the boys are frogs and all the pigs are That's girls? The, the, well, sure, the frog gene is on the Y chromosome. That's not hard to figure out when you're looking at that the is- family. That's um, established silence. My point yeah. is, is that the, the, yeah, that's, that's Muppet canon, sir. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, cause you never see any daughters who are frogs or any sons who are pigs. But like, what about like a frog pig hybrid? Nope. That's a nightmare. <laughs> because this is not a Muppet version of the Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Some sort of Cthulhu. Nope. <laughs> King Ling. Yes. yes. Night- nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. Oh, uh, this is where we get the bless us all song. Yeah. And I think. Uh, as a cantankerous old man, this is where I start to uh, mm, disengage a little bit. I'm like, all right, the message is a bit heavy handed here. Nope. Yeah. Spoon feed it to me, boys. I love it. I cry every time. Bless us all who gather here. The loving family I hold dear. No place on earth compares with home and every path will bring me back from where I roam bless us all that as we live oh I love I love you for your sensitivity uh-huh. <laughs> I'm a but, big but there's baby. no accounting yes don't I love you no accounting for taste I'm fucking right behind you <laughs> 200 year old story and you're giving me shit over tiny tim give me a break oh but yeah this is where i had another note about gonzo wants to fuck birds and we are told this at every possible moment yes because rizzo talks about having an encounter with a goose and gonzo dickens is like well aren't you the lucky fella it's just like gonzo keep it in your pants for at least another 40 minutes we're trying to tell a christmas ghost story here jesus christ (laughs) Uh, so the ghost of the Christmas present starts to like, he gets, he starts to like his whole face changes and like everything goes gray. Well, Cause he's only around for Christmas day. So he's yeah. starting to age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then we're whisked, whisked back to, to his house. Mm-mm. Well, not before he throws Scrooge's line back in his face. Scrooge is like, well, what, 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 what's going to happen to these families? What's going to happen to tiny Tim? Yeah. And the ghost is like, well, are there no poor har- houses? Are there no prisons? Didn't you just say that, you fucking asshole? Yeah. Shadows remain unaltered. I believe the child will die. But what then? If he's going to die, he'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Oh, spirit. As the Cratchit family vanished into the darkness, Scrooge kept his eyes upon Tiny Tim until the last. Come. My time grows short. I mean, drag him. Let him 100%. die, right? Yeah. The The present sequence is all about dragging Scrooge yep. to Scrooge's face. And I'm 100% here for it. It's like the reading challenge on Drag Race, but it's like a good <laughs> solid 10 minutes of people dragging him for filth and him not being able to say or do a damn thing about it. <laughs> Take that, old white man. <laughs> Eat the rich. Uh, and I guess it's appropriate then that present drags Scrooge all the way to his grave, pretty much literally, because that scene goes directly to the graveyard. Oh, yeah. Yep, it certainly does. And those bells start ringing. And um, Gonzo talks about the terrible bells tolling. And all I could think was the terrible bell sounds like a really great name for an all drag roller derby team. Oh, <laughs> that is kind of delightful. I like it. 
Scrooge is left in a cemetery as the ghost of Christmas yet to come then approaches, appearing as a tall, silent, cloaked figure. While Dickens and Rizzo abandon the audience to avoid being frightened, the ghost takes Scrooge into the future, with those Scrooge knew in life avoiding his funeral and selling his belongings. The ghost then transports Scrooge to Bob's house, discovering Tiny Tim has died. Scrooge is escorted back to the cemetery where the ghost points out his own grave, revealing Scrooge as the man who has died. Realizing this, Scrooge vows to change his ways. You know, the fog in London really do be like that. Though, where it just all comes all of a sudden out of nowhere. You're having a nice day with your jolly friend and suddenly you're at a cemetery and boom, it's foggy. Yeah, it's London, baby. <laughs> we get the transition from Scrooge's side, at least into the scene, aside from just running from that fog, um, is just a series of Michael Caine making startled noises. And it's delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I love Gonzo's line. You're on your own folks. We'll meet you at the finale. Yeah. He dips out. Yeah. Which honestly, as a child, this is the part yes. that I would dip out in. Uh, it, uh, it, it, it makes it scarier, right? Because Gonzo and Rizzo have been your friends this whole time and your friends are gone now. And so now, you and know, this guides. is like, 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 right. They're traipsing you through this story. Like they're human, not humanizing it. They're Muppets, whatever, but like they're helping you through this. And now you're like in it. And now, you know, shit's real because they are not playing around here anymore. And then, you know, <laughs> the Nazgul show up and you're fucked. Like I, you don't know what else to do as a kid. <laughs> you know what this moment reminds me of when the narrator gets fed to the giant in into the woods. Yes. Because when you, and this isn't in the film, of course, but when you see it live, the narrator gets sacrificed to the giant. And that's similarly when you know, oh shit. When we did this in college, uh, the design for Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come was um, full Victorian garb. It was an actor on stilts and his, um, he had one of those, you know, duster coats. Yeah. Um, that was period that reached the floor. Cool. So like, it was like an 11 foot duster coat. And then he had like a further two foot top hat that was kind of like Tim Burton esque in stylization. And instead of being hooded, he had like a morph hood on. Cool. So it was, it was just, and then of course there was plenty of fog on the stage that like it, it looked like his face lacked definition and that the head hat was just floating a bit. He looked like the tall man from Hill house. No, I, interpretations of a Christmas Carol and the way that you, that ghosts are portrayed are like my favorite thing about a Christmas Carol because you can do anything and it's always interesting. Absolutely. The spider puppet that's selling off all of his stuff. I love, I mean, it's kind of creepy, but I love it. It's such a great, they cast the Muppets cast their characters so well in these stories is what is what really struck me at that moment. I was just like, this is awful and hideous and ghoulish even, but it all works and is still entertaining. Yeah. Because it's a really, uh, if you watch any other version of this, it's a very dark and kind of depressing. And again, I want high gothic, high horror version of this. But it's, it, it's, it's, it's the act three slump, right? It's, we're dragging the the protagonist down to his worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And even into, if you really want to talk about it being even in a way a hero's journey into death, yes. right? A- and they managed to, to still make it, God, you almost feel guilty for siding with the people. And God, why? Because it's Scrooge. Yeah. Um, but I guess at this point you're like, well, I, he's been dragged so much. Give the guy yeah. a break. But does he deserve a break? Eat the rich. N- no. Yeah, exactly. Eat the rich. <laughs> this is literally one day. Like, I don't give a shit. None of this is redeeming. Like, I, mm, yeah, 
I did like the fact that like when she brought the blanket to the spider and was just like, oh, it's still warm. Oh, well, that's not going to get you any more money, but like it should. Yeah, it should. It's yeah. so it's so fucking. Yeah, it's cutthroat. Yeah. Uh, we, and and also very I mean, it's it's kind of Dickensian tropey, but it is very reflective of kind of the era, the very sort of like Oliver Twistian. If the acting style were more grounded, because it is very presentational and period, mm -hmm. but if the acting style were more grounded, I could see an argument for Frank Oz winning an Oscar for this performance <laughs> <laughs> because she's super fucking real in this moment. Mm -hmm. Again. Oh, 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 it's just the lamplight that hurts my eyes. Not Tiny Tim. They're there now. My eyes get weak in the, in the dim light. I would not want to show weak eyes to your father when he gets home for anything in the world. He should be back now. I think he's walked a little slower these past two evenings hello my dears whoa like that yeah. is the, the note that so i had is sad. these are two balls of felt uh uh on crammed onto a hand with adult men doing goofy voices and we're crying why did this not win an oscar that was my exact note yeah. in all caps yeah. like this is i'm not crying you're crying this like, is stellar <laughs> performance mm -hmm. uh. and you didn't appreciate tiny tim's beautiful song five minutes ago and now he's dead how do you feel now joshua yes. he's dead uh, fine. I feel fine. How dare you? You know why? Because it's all a dream. It's all a dream. And we're going to get there in just a second. But now we're once again grappling the, with the logistics of all of this travel, um, specifically time travel. Yeah. Yeah. So is this a back to the future or an end game thing? Yeah. This is not the first time we've had this conversation on the show again, <laughs> because Scrooge is begging, you know, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Like, can I change this? Whatever. And he's just like, face your death. I'm going to keep pointing face your death. Stop talking to me. I don't have lines. They didn't pay me for the day rate. Face your death. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if Michael Caine gave us a little bit more gravitas in this moment, just a little, uh, this is, this is Oscar winning. I feel like for sure it's masterful. Yeah. Like you said at the top, Leah, like Michael Caine walked onto the set and said, yes, these are all real people. And I'm going to yep. emote at these puppets uh, as if uh, an Oscar does depend on it. Yeah. He Royal Shakespeare did up hardcore. I fucking love it. I fucking love it. I also really like the bit where he like is he keeps going back to uh, the ghost and is like, Are you, uh, these, these a man could change. I promise. It's great. And then he has this last moment where he knows which grave he's supposed to go to. And he just kind of like weakly points at some other grave and like future does not move their <laughs> hand. And it's always like, no, you dumb motherfucker. That one. Ebenezer the Scrooge. Oh, please, spirit, no. Hear me, I, I'm not the man I was. Why would you show me this if I was past all hope? <laughs> I, I will honor Christmas and try to keep it all the year. <laughs> I will live my life in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lesson. Like, it's such a good, like... <laughs> Don't yeah. play off like it's it's Jimbo's grave. It's your grave, man. Like it's I love face that your mortality and the weight <laughs> of your actions. These are the chains that shall choke you in the afterlife. The salmon moose. <laughs> no, Monty Python meaning of life. 
Jesus. Death comes in at the end. Sam and Moose. (laughs) I'm old. I'm old and significantly (laughs) older than the both of you. Um, Mm. All right. Shall we close this out? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Awakening in his bedroom on Christmas Day, Scrooge decides to surprise Bob's family with a turkey dinner and ventures out with Bean, Dickens, Rizzo, and the charity workers to spread happiness and joy around London. Scrooge goes to the Cratchit house at first putting on a stern demeanor before revealing he intends to raise Bob's salary and pay off his mortgage. Dickens narrates how Scrooge became a second father to Tiny Tim who escaped death. Scrooge, the Cratchits, and neighbor and the neighborhood celebrate Christmas. Okay, so are we going to forgive him? I mean... Yeah, yeah. That's the implication. But why? Because he evicted like mm-hmm. so many people. Like, like this isn't just the first Christmas. This happens Christmas over Christmas, and that's the other reason. Is like at the beginning of this, where they're like they're asking for the day off. This can't be the first time that they're asking for Christmas off like, without without his partners. It is. That's mm-hmm. that's what's. This is the first Christmas since the Marleys have died. Got it. And that was the change in Scrooge because outside of Fred, that was his last meaningful relationship was his business partners. And I think it's implied a little bit more in the story that yeah. Scrooge is harder since their death because they were more human than Scrooge was quote human, not human. Humane. Yeah, they, were, they were still, and they were still even grubby. Still yeah. they were grubby. Yeah. yeah. Frozen yeah. orphans yeah, yeah, yeah. and their okay. teddy bears. Yeah. The, I, th- I think it's one of those things where like me, human me right here, Leah. No, yes. fuck that guy. Eat the rich. I hope he dies forever. No, die. Die. Yes. Die. I give away all your money. I don't care. I still hope you die in a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> me watching a movie where Michael Caine is Scrooge and the whole thing is about changing your race for the better and opening your heart and singing songs with Muppets and Tiny Tim. Like, no, absolutely. I love you, Uncle Scrooge. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> yes, but he could have killed Bean with that sack of coins. <laughs> yeah, he could have. He can't, like it landed right in front of him. I'm like, seriously, three inches forward. And that is a dead rabbit. And he was just rolling with it, too. Like after he was like, go get that. Tur- yeah, I'm into it. Uh, sure. Five shillings, 100%. Like, and then just takes off. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's the exchange exchange rate? What's the, I mean, that's gotta be like a hundo, right? Yeah. That's for a sure. lot of money for little bean bunny. <laughs> I mean, my biggest comment here was like, he's suddenly got a blowout. Like that hair is all full and, oh, yeah. and flowy behind him. It's cause it's still kind of like dry and scraggly, but like he ran a comb through it. No, yeah. he did. Cause he, ch- he checks himself out in the mirror. He looks in the mirror yeah. and like picks up his hair and goes, Ugh. And he's like, I got to fix it. I got to, I got to put a comb through it. Get these nits out. Like throw a little, I uh, literally an iron onto the fire for which to curl. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he, he runs into the, the charity guys and he's like, I'm going to give you this much. And then he gives him a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and soon he encountered two familiar faces. <gasps> Mr. Scrooge. Pardon me, gentlemen, but about the charity donation you asked me for yesterday. Put me down for <gasps> that much? Not a penny less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Oh my goodness, I don't know what to say. I just wish there was something we could give you. Oh, really that much? Yes, and a smooch for you. <laughs> so is this is this what like trickle down economics is about? Like you have all in this theory. money and like this is this is him now just He's giving all of his money away. So this is what really Reagan was talking about. Like, this is what should have happened. I mean, this is what rich white guys get out of the story. I'm sure. Got it. So how do we trigger these events for the rich white guys to happen? I think what needs to happen is sort of a grassroots charity organization who specializes in 
haunting mm. rich white people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Perfect. just, yeah, recreate, like, we've got holograms now. <laughs> we get some VO people in and a fog machine. And we just show up outside of Jeff Bezos' bedroom window being like, give away your fortune. I know a couple mediums. I feel like I could just get in on this, though. I know a couple larges. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what do you call a three-foot psychic who's on the run? A small medium at large. I'm not responding to that. Like, there's no. <laughs> you know what the worst of it is? Again, my Wi-Fi cut out, and then there was laughter, and I was like, "He made a fucking pun," and I missed it, and I'm blessed. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm sure you'll get to hear it later. But yeah, he's he's given out coal to his to his bookkeepers, <laughs> which really kind coal. of turns on its head because it it is a good thing. It means that they get to heat the heaters at their desks, but. The lump of coal in the stocking, like that would have been a good gift at one point. So I wonder where that sort of uh I think it's meta just hilarious. It's changed. so good. And then he starts a parade on the streets of London. I love it. And that, my children, is how the tradition of Christmas parades began. That's the moral of the story for me. <laughs> but, but the fact that like he's evicted so many people. Clancy, Get you're off just it, Clancy. the immediate recompense <laughs> of his decisions. You don't know that he doesn't. They talk about Tiny Tim living and him becoming a second father. Presumably, he will become a charitable individual in the future. He's giving all of that money to the Order of Victoria Charity Foundation that he specifically states is due for back payments, too. Fair He's enough. trying to make amends. Fair enough. But Fred is also on the same camp that I don't think he forgives him either. Fred has definite uh-oh face there. At Fred's, the end. He's, that's an excellent face on him. Like, it's just this. Because <laughs> even Clara's like, oh my gosh. And Fred's like, the hell's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and then even at the big dinner scene, when everybody's singing the refrain and packed into the Cratchit house, Fred looks like he still doesn't quite know what's going on. And it could be because there's a massive amount of static electricity in that room. And he keeps being shocked. You think about all the Muppets crammed into that room and like the five humans that are there. Any I wonder how many times they had to reshoot that just because people could be going, ah, you could hear the zzz on the mics. Yeah. And honestly, and then this scene too, like Miss Piggy goes fucking whole hog yes. on her what, or on, on Scrooge. Yes. Just, Fuck him up, Piggy. Like, well, because Scrooge becomes like the original troll because he's just like, haha, I'm going to make them think that I'm being a bad guy, but really, I'm a good guy. I'm such a stinker. So here you are. Uh, Mr. Scrooge. uh, You, sir, were not at work this morning as we had discussed. uh, But, but, Mr. Scrooge, sir, we did discuss it. It's Christmas Day. You gave me the day off. I, I, Ebenezer Scrooge. Would I do a thing like that? No. Uh, I mean, yes, but but you did. Bob Cratchit, I've had my fill of this. And I have had my fill of you, Emily, Mr. Scrooge. Emily, Mr. And Scrooge. therefore, Bob Cratchit. And therefore, you can leave this house at once. And therefore, I'm about to raise your salary. Oh, and I am about to raise you right off the pavement or onto... Yes, Bob. Raise your salary and pay your mortgage on this house. Please, sir, come inside. I like that. Like, it's so Miss Piggy, too, because, like, that's that's OG Christmas Carol, wherein Mrs. Cratchit is like, actually, back up, I might kill you. But they change the line so that Miss Piggy has that line where he's like, I'm going to raise your salary. And she's like, and I'm going to raise you right off the pit. Like, she (laughs) looked like that's pure Piggy, man. And it just works very nicely together. Good. 
And then the one pig daughter, I can't tell them apart because they're literally identical. Just looks horrified at the concept of other people coming in their house (laughs) there at the end. She just looks abjectly terrified like they're being invaded or something. I yeah. love it. It was it was the the expression they posed on her face was ridiculous. She was mad she had to go into the closet because the other leaves for the table because they had to make it bigger. Like it was just a chore. And that's where that tradition began as well. <laughs> Invite a lot of people over that you feel obliged to because you were kind of rude to them during the during the year. Drag out the table, cram every corner of your house, put the kids in one corner, food in the other, and then just sing at each other for two hours and then pretend like you enjoyed yourself. And then steal Tiny Tim's line. <laughs> I was so mad. Like he's like, Mary, or, what, what? it's God bless God us. Every Tiny Tim says, God bless us. And Michael Caine says, no kid, I'm going to take it. God bless us. Everyone. It's like, no. Ugh. My point was though, that Tim did get the whole song. He did. That's true. This is the equivalent so. of, of the Grinch cutting the roast beast, right? And so as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us. God bless us. Everyone. The love we found, the love we found, we carry with us, so we're never quite alone. Yes, absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. All right. And then it ends with a the end. Yeah. Yeah. And then Gonzo tells us to all read a book. <laughs> basically he like, truly yeah, if does if you more, like it you should go read the book if you want to know more but don't take my word for it <laughs> delightful um we could run through the song list real quick because we didn't really mention all of them of course it's the overture first song scrooge when scrooge comes in broom in your heart is bunsen and beaker asking for money um cut from the film yeah uh that one was cut from the film good king wants to solicit in the score one more sleep till Christmas sung by Kermit. Is this the first time that that like phrase one more sleep till entered sort of like pop culture canon? Is this the the genesis of that as a concept? I'm going to say yes and move along. I feel like it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Marley and Marley, of course, is when uh, the ghosts start haunting Scrooge. Then we've got more score chairman of the board. Sam the Eagle also cut from the film. Uh, Fozzie Wigs Party, uh, which is still in, and we get that good Dixieland jazz. Um, when Love is Gone, which we discussed. It feels like Christmas, Ghost of Christmas Present. We get that one with the fucking terrifying children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Christmas Scat, which sounds gross, but is actually just the <laughs> refrain of One More Sleep Till Christmas, Bless Us All, which is uh, Tiny Tim doing his God Bless Us number. Then a couple of things from the score and then Scrooge's song closes us out. Thankful heart. And then we have the finale when love is found slash. It feels like Christmas. And then Martina McBride sung the single for when love is gone, which was cut from the film. It's, over I the didn't credits. know this. It's over the credits. Oh, 1990s we'll right here. The first time I did drag in California, it was to Martina McBride's Independence Day. <laughs> it was delightful. Um, all right, Clancy. So how'd the film do? Well, uh, the budget for this was $12 million, which is honestly pretty good for what they got out of it. I um, mean, it was the 90s, so it was yeah, probably yeah, yeah. a little pricey. Um, and then uh, it made $31.9 million worldwide. Nice. Hmm. I don't like this critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, though. 76. That seems low. Agreed. For a Muppet movie. 
Yeah, it, from what I could tell, it was very much, I mean, like Roger Ebert, for the uh, who was at the Chicago Sun-Times at the time in 1995, uh, said we could have done with a few more songs than it has, and the huh. merrymaking at the end uh, might have been carried on a little longer, um, just to offset the gloom of most of Scrooge's uh, tour through his timeline spending and uh, spent Spreading uh, misery. Spreading misery, yeah. I get that, but also, it was already an hour and a half long. You put mm-hmm. in too many more songs, and this becomes a stage musical. And, it, and I mean, from what we just went through, they cut a bunch of songs. Yeah. So, like, y- yeah. I, somebody somebody at the Henson Co. saw this review and went, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Should have left that shit in. Uh, the Variety staff at Variety, apparently there was no actual person that was credited Just staff on. writer. Uh, in 1991, says this adaption of Charles Dixon's Christmas classic is not as enchanting or amusing as the previous entries in the Muppet series, um, but nothing can really diminish the late Jim Henson's uh, irresistibility appealing. Er, is, Irresistibly appealing characters. Yes. I mean, maybe sure. Maybe people were just, maybe people expected it to not be of a quality because yeah. it was the first one after Jim passed. I wonder if that's part of that. Yeah, that's, that, that's, this is probably what it is. Cause the, the viewers score is much higher. It's 85%. And Steve uh, S is glad he saw it with Dana. <laughs> okay. Oh, I should have saw it with Dana. <laughs> Fuck. I guess so. I'm not a big enough fan of the Muppets to really love it, but the story was true to the original with some added songs, some added some songs, added songs. <laughs> which, which one of those were originals? <laughs> All right, Steve, you you and Dana sound like you had a good time. Thanks for your three stars. Uh, and then we had Nick C, uh, January of 2016. Five stars. If you don't love this, don't talk to me. Fair I, enough, Steve. I kind of feel like I wrote that. Did I write that? <laughs> <laughs> Do you just ghostwrite reviews on your favorite movies on Rotten Tomatoes when you're bored? Sometimes. I love it. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Leah, you said this was your favorite movie, a uh, favorite Christmas movie of all time. Why don't you, I mean, now's the time to expound on that. I just, I mean, I, I've loved the Muppets like, uh, no, I just, I love the Muppets and I love Christmas movies overall, but like, I don't do saccharine very well. And I yeah. think because you get, or, or like, honestly, high morality, like typically I'm with Clancy and like, fuck this guy. I don't care. But yeah. I think it's when you get you just get the Muppets and you get like all the extra stuff in there. Like it just, I don't know. It just really works. Um, We had it on VHS when I was a kid to this day as, and I'm 33 and my sister is 30. This, we watch this every Christmas morning. We are, we make sure we're together mm-hmm. and like as stalking, like my it. mom's like not awake or whatever. And Paul's walking the dog, whatever, like for probably over 20 years now. And maybe more than that, like, we pop this in and we press play and we watch them up at Christmas Carol uh, to start Christmas. I love it. Is this the story you wanted to tell? I told Hillary, cause this is why she told me the story. I told Hillary on the phone. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm doing uh I asked my mom, I was like, did we see this in the theater? Or did we only have it on VHS? Cause I couldn't remember. And, uh, Hillary was like, why? And I was like, oh, we're doing Josh. And- I'm doing Josh and Clancy's podcast. Talk about Muppet Christmas Carol. And then she's like, wait, did I ever tell you the time that I watched it during a party? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, OK, so Brian, her husband, Brian, uh, her now husband, yeah. Brian. So their sophomore year, Hillary went to a party. I was around must have been around Christmas time at uh, his and his roommate's house because uh, a month prior, Brian and all of his roommates got kicked out of uh, dorm housing because they threw and it stands to this day, the largest party UNH has ever seen and got busted. Uh, oh. So they lived off, off campus and Hillary went to a party, got drunk and everybody's drunk in a room. Hillary left the room where most of the party was, found the TV 
and purchased Muppet Christmas Carol on their cable and sat down and watched it all by herself. Party. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. She's like, I'm done with this. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. That's amazing. Thanks for the 4.99 movie, guys. <laughs> the rest of my day. Fucking awesome. This is a great movie. I think it's. I don't know. Like I like it has its flaws or whatever, but like it just like feels good. Alrighty, what do you want to plug? Thank you so much for coming on. This was a delight to have you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you both for of having course. me. Uh, I love you both dearly, and this podcast is fun. And actually, I love this movie more than I love most other things. So like, this was just a great time. Um, Yay! Yeah. Uh, in terms of plugs, you you mentioned Mischief Media and you do it at your podcast, so I don't have to do that. But uh, MischiefMedia.com, guys, <laughs> I produce most of those, if not all of those podcasts. And I'm, I'm the host of Extraneous, Supernatural, and Steven Universe. Uh, so if you like either of those things, check that out. Uh, I'll plug two more things. One thing, uh, I'm on a Star Trek RPG podcast called a Star Trek RPG podcast uh, called Endeavor Through the Maelstrom. Endeavor Through the Maelstrom, because oh. I can't say words. So if you want to <laughs> listen to me as a really cool Star Trek ensign uh, doing things with my crew, I'm on that. Uh, so I you can it. look at that at EndeavorShow.com. And then the last thing is, if you love Christmas and you love A Christmas Carol, I am also... Uh, I mentioned this earlier. I'm not, not going to sh- be sure if it's in the recording or not, but um, I am in the ensemble of a free to all of you original adaptation of A Christmas Carol called Three Ghosts. It is available today's Christmas Day. It is available for you to listen. Um, you can go to Pipe Dream Theater, theater with an R-E dot com um, and all the links there. It's also Pipe Dream Theater on uh, on all of your podcast apps. You can look at the the whole musical will be there. There's people from literally like 15 countries in this cast. Uh, I'm just in the ensemble, but I'm I'm singing and doing Christmas cheer. And it's uh, Josh mm-hmm. mentioned watching, wanting high gothic and horror. This is a spooky, scary version of A Christmas Carol. I've done it twice prior off off Broadway and in college. And um, there's no visuals with it, but like the score and the words and everything else, like you can hear the scare in here and it's very, very good. Oh, wow. That sounds so cool. Yes. Check all of that out in your podcast apps of choice. Leah, do you want to plug any social medias? Oh, good point. Uh, Yeah. If you, I don't know if any of this was entertaining or you thought I was funny. I don't think so. I was really just like on a high defending Muppets. And I guess that's just my poorest <laughs> state of being. Uh, but I exist on the internet at Leah 617. So L-E-A-H 617. Um, I play on Twitter uh, mostly. So I don't know, get at me there. And I'll tweet about podcasts I do or BTS songs, whatever I'm doing at the day. <laughs> it's a lot of BTS on your Twitter feed. But I, I'm I'm not. That's not judgment. That's just a statement of fact. It's true. That's but true. If, <laughs> if you're into K-pop and geek stuff, Leah's feed is rife with both. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much again for joining us, my yeah, darling, and have a delightful. merry Christmas with the family. You you as well. You boys as well. Hey guys, hey guys. God bless us. Everyone! Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. Oh, I cannot look. I 
We, th- the number of times Leah and I have tried to start a podcast together <laughs> where we just geek out about shit. We did this one in one take. And we did this one in one take. It, it, it was so much fun to have her on. Yeah. Um, it is kind of silly, much like Alex, that we haven't had her on sooner. But Hunter, yeah, it, 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 whatever, whatever. Hey, uh, no, she was last and the best. Yeah. Well, do, I mean, look, we had a lot of great guests this year uh, <laughs> and I don't want to shit on any of them. But I am delighted that we got her on for this movie. She yeah. was a treat to have. And we for can't sure. thank her enough. And no, we're not just brown nosing to our boss. We're really super thankful that Leah came on. Um, but now to some show updates. Yeah. So we kind of alluded to this a little bit, but I think that we're, you know, this is kind of official as of this point. Yeah. Um, that we are going to be taking a bit of a break, a winter break. Yeah. It's not uncommon in the podcast world. No. So January is going to be a little bit of a light month. We're still yes. going to have some content coming out, but it's going to be different from what you're normally used to. Yeah. So basically this episode is the end of non plus season one. Yes. And then we're going to have a little hiatus mm-hmm. with some mini episodes. Yep. And then we're going to start back in February with season two. Right. Now let's talk about these mini episodes. Let's appropriately set expectations for our loyal listeners. Fair enough. One of these mini episodes is going to cover the MCU stuff, all of the fun new Marvel news and some of the ancillary stuff that came out of the investor call. Yeah. Focused as much as possible to the Disney plus platform, because obviously that's our milieu. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of, a lot of it was focused on the Disney plus platform. So we will, we will be tearing into that in detail, but not, not completely. The next episode that we'll be doing is covering all of the Star Wars stuff. Exact same thing, but for the Star Wars. So we're going to talk about the new series they've announced. We're going to talk about whatever we can find that's known about those things just so we can prime the pump. Mm -hmm. And because it's a Star Wars focused episode, we're going to give you a recap of our thoughts on the Mandalorian. Yeah, this season was wild, fam. And uh, yeah, I want to talk about it. And and now when we say these are shorter episodes, they might still be close to the length of a regular episode, but it's shorter in terms of work for us because we just get to geek out <laughs> for sure honestly it's just it's a little bit different of a format um you know what i mean and it's uh you know we like to experiment and that's yeah. kind of what we want to do Wink. so but yeah uh, we're gonna take the time like we we we're this isn't the season break isn't arbitrary either like we're gonna take some time and really like focus down on what season two means for non-plus and it might mean some new and different things and some changes we might have some surprises for you coming up in the new season sure but all this to say that um we really, truly cannot thank those of you who listen enough. Um, yeah, this has been such a cool year. It's been a year. It's been a, y- a year since we announced January will be a year since our first I mean, episode. This year hasn't been cool, but this portion of this year has been cool. Obviously. Yeah. I, I think our listeners are bright enough to parse that meaning. For sure. Um, but yeah, we really couldn't have done with this without you. Um, we're having so much fun doing it. Even if we were just shouting into a void, no one was listening. I think that we'd still be having a bunch of fun. And uh, yeah, it's it's time to put on our big boy pants and see what else we can do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And to that end, if you want to head on over to patreon.com slash making mischief, we actually our latest Patreon episode is is us sort of reflecting on our year and what it meant to us and um, yeah. what this podcast means to us and what we want to do with it. So head on over to patreon.com slash making mischief. It's not just content from us. It's from all of the shows all over the Mischief Media Network, and it's not just episodes. It's art and music and other things, and you can get in on the Discord that we're definitely going to be engaging more with in Season 2. Yes, um, yes, yes. Things like that. Uh, you can get at patreon.com slash making mischief. So uh, if you wanted to find out any more information about Josh, you Ooh. could go to his socials at Josh Watching TV yep. uh, on Instagram and Twitter. 
And if you wanted to say, stay as benignly unaware of Clancy's life, uh, <laughs> because the social media isn't all that active, you can find him at CLNCY on Twitter and Instagram. I may, you know what? I might spend the January and reflect on that a little Look, bit. I'm t- I, I <laughs> sent an Instagram story for my personal account the other day. I know. I know. What does that even mean? Exactly. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to teach you how to social media a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you can find non What's a TikTok? girl. I don't know. <laughs> you can find nonplussed at nonplus pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, maybe TikTok someday. Who fucking knows? Get on them. Snapchats. Oh, well, you don't have a snap. It's just so much. It really is so much. It is so much. Especially when one of us is a social media professional by day. Yeah, it's it's a little draining. <sighs> it's a heavy lift. This burden that I bear. But what we would like you to do is rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of the platforms. Go, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach out to five. I would say go to their houses, but reach out to five friends and say, I want to proverbially take the star, proverbially, metaphorically, take the star from atop that tree. And I'm going to collect five of them. I'm going to take all five of those stars. I'm going to put them into a review for the nonplus podcast as a Christmas present for those beautiful, bright, brilliant boys. Yes. That's what you should be thinking right yes, now. I know it doesn't make any damn sense. Stars. I'm just trying to find another way of begging you. Isn't that, isn't that a, uh, uh, like, why don't you steal all the stars? No, no. Is that not how that works? No, well, it's a rewrite the stars. And oh. that's greatest showman, which is now on Disney plus. Is it? I think so. Well, I mean, <laughs> all righty. I think, is that it for us? That is it for us. That's it for the, for the new, for the new year. We're not going to see you really before the new year. So happy new year, everybody. Happy new and year. Truly. It, 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 it's hard not to hope that it's better, but even if that, even if that, that better is objective and comparative and incremental, mm-hmm. we're here for you. For we, sure. we hope that 2021 um, uh, has some rays of sunshine for you. And um, if they aren't popping up, just come on over to the nonplus feed and we'll do our best to cheer you up. Yep. And vaccinate your kids and vaccinate your kids, <laughs> vaccinate yourself. When that, when the time comes, get that COVID vaccine, vaccinate your dogs. And cause y'all truly it, it, should the time come, we will let you know on this podcast when we can be in Vegas and we'll all just go get drunk and see a show. Oh, that would be delightful. Wouldn't it? That's we could do we our first, do. like, you know, show on the road. <sighs> I mean, we can try to turn it in. It'd be an informal live show because the budget as of right now is zero. Anyway, <laughs> happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All of our love to you. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are this holiday season, please stay safe. Please yes. take care of yourself. Yes. Please mask up. Yes. Please stay home. Yes. Get drunk if that's your thing. 100%. And uh, just brush 2020 right off your shoulder. And brush your teeth. And you brush know? your teeth. Yeah. But don't name check any any potential podcast sponsors because they ain't going to get a name check from us until they're paying. Hell fucking no. Jeez. Well, I'm nonplussed, are you? I'm, I've been nonplussed all year, Clancy. Aww. Oh. What are you talking a bottle fell. <laughs> Bye. What is this cracker?
Did you have sub- no, I'm, I- Did you have subtitles on? Yes. yes. Okay, so potentially that's something that's really hard to hear because I've never heard it, and you saw it because of the subtitles. I saw it. How dare you? Whatever. I saw it because of the subtitles. Saw it. It's hard to. It's hard to do. I love you so much, Andrew Boston <laughs> accent. Don't forget to check out Tavor on iOS and Android for your 100% independent resource for tasty and tantalizing craft brews. Just search Tavor, that's T-A-V-O-U-R, in your app store search to get $10 off your first order of $25 or more. Cheers. Bye. Bye.